0: Welcome
1: to the NSP Nutrition Podcast Show. I'm Armin Echelbarger. And I'm Frank Mills. And today, Armin and I are going to be talking about understanding rep schemes and why Armin thinks that counting calories is a huge mistake. So that being said, how's it going today, Armin? It's going great, Frank. Got my workout in. It was a good chest workout
0: today. Didn't do the triceps. Just changing it up. But uh, rock solid
1: and ready to go. Well, that's awesome now. I thought it was a great choice on understanding rep schemes and how to use them. We always get a lot of questions on this show as well as our other show, Reality Fitness, about understanding rep schemes. So to get us started, Armin, why don't you give us a definition of what is a rep? All right. So in strength training,
0: it's also known as resistance training or weightlifting. Okay. Reps are the number of times you complete a single exercise before taking a rest or break. Okay. So it's it's basically short for repetitions and reps help keep, help you keep track of your strength workout. So it's one of the ways to measure and that's why people use it. Uh, you can also use time as well, but we're focusing on reps because that's basically what a lot of people are using at this point in time. So I'm kind of curious, what's your approach when it comes to a rep? Well, again, like anything in the fitness world, everything can be debatable. Okay, So for me, um, I think the question is, is, how many reps a person should do per set of a mm-hmm. particular exercise for a particular muscle group? So that's kind of how I look at it uh, fundamentally just to get right to it. I like to do six to 10 repetitions for upper body, except for my back. I like to do eight to 12. And the reason for that is just so there's a lot more muscles and there's a lot more blood that has to be pushed to those muscles. We're going to talk about that too, as far as, yeah. um, you know, pumping and things. And then for legs, uh, I like to do 12 to 20 repetitions. And again, these aren't say, have to be perfect. They're just ranges that you can use to help gauge the effectiveness of how your strength is is doing. And then also, you know, you know, get more development because you're able to use more weight. So you do have to use more weight to help make, make the muscles get bigger, but there's other things you can do to do that as well with your rep scheme. So um Just kind of keep that in mind. Then that'd be perfect? These are ranges that I like to use. Uh, I I do know of other people who have been successful with other ranges, but that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'll give you my rationale on why I think they're more effective uh, for me and my clients anyways.
1: Well, a lot of people I'm sure will come up right away and, and ask, what made you decide those rep ranges specifically?
0: Okay. So when it comes to rep ranges, you're going to read... About all different types of strategies to it and you know you'll see examples like five sets of five reps and six sets of six reps you know garanda eight eight by eight he did six by six eight by eight and you know these types of strategies you'll see that to pick from and then others uh the basis for me is after doing a lot of uh Research, reading, and trial and error, which I do most of my work trial and error. I, I'm a slow learner, apparently. So, <laughs> because of that, um, you know, I just keep kind of experimenting. So, the re- rationale behind my rep scheme strategy came from again reading on material, but I really like Mike Menser's heavy duty book where he talked about the strategy behind the rep schemes, um, and. With it, you know, he came up with his ideal rep ranges, and I've incorporated those as well. But they're based under time, under tension—you know, how, how long you're move, how long you're holding and moving that weight—and uh, that just made a lot of sense to me, the way it was explained. So that's where
1: I started to focus on with my training. Okay, co can, can you dive a little deeper and kind of explain how that works?
0: Yeah, so time under tension, it's also known as as tempo, okay, Okay. which is basically the speed of how you're going to lift the weight, lower the weight, and, you know, how long it takes you to do that. So I'm going to use an example. Let's say a rep, a a tempo of what I would call 4212. Okay, so what that basically means is a four count. With the negative when you're lowering the weight, as an example, and then I'll do a two count stretch hold, okay? And then I'm gonna do a one count positive where I move the weight back up, and then I'll do a two count static hold or contraction, squ- squeezing the muscle at the at the uh, peak of the movement. And this doesn't mean when you're doing this, it doesn't mean you lock out the joints, it just means you're right. just flexing the muscle, uh, when you're doing this okay so with that what i found is if you do a, do that kind of count, the four two one two you're counting so it's roughly in seconds so depending on how you count is going to be the other element so if you add up four two one two that's set it's basically nine seconds potentially but depending on how fast you count it will vary so i like to use that typically means six to nine seconds for one rep. Okay. So if you do a rep range of, let's say six reps with maximum weight and great form, that's going to probably take you between 36 to 54 seconds to do that at one particular set with full heavy weight and really pushing yourself. So that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about with time under tension. Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on how the muscle is being worked, uh, you want to do enough repetitions or have enough time under tension to stimulate all four types of muscle fiber. You know, you have two, you have the fat, you have the slow twitch, which is a lot of those. Mm-hmm. You have two medium twitch, and then you have the fast twitch, which there's not very many of those. But the fast twitch are thicker bundles. So you got to do enough repetitions to stimulate all those fibers to get full muscular development. A lot of people don't realize that when they're doing reps. But that's mm. what I learned based on the research that I did. And it really does make a difference if you can hit that. You know, you get all those fibers stimulated because it helps with better muscle development and thickness. And, you know, with my physique, a lot of guys always ask me, well, why do you get so thick? And it's because of these strategies and why I use them that I feel, and again, it could, you know, somebody could argue differently, but I just feel mm-hmm. by using maximum weight with the right tempo and really working hard to get all those fibers activated, it's helped me a lot, especially over the last uh, probably eight years.
1: Okay. So, so on a lot of these things that you're doing and that you're talking about on the fast twitch and all like that, um, how did you kind of come up with this stuff? I mean, actually, why do you do these things? You know, kind of dive a little deeper. Okay. Well, when you start doing research on you know, the muscle
0: fibers and how they are stimulated, basically, with these fibers you you have um with especially the fast twitch, there's not a lot of them. So you really got to push the body to activate those fibers. And that's what's really important. But when you activate them, because of the way they're made, there's not very many of them. So typically, to hit that white fast-twitch fiber. That's at the end of your set that you're really pushing yourself, where you're Mm -hmm. barely able to push that weight, but you're still doing it. Typically, that's when you're going to hit those white muscle fibers. And when you hit that threshold, that's when you kind of go to failure. So that's the purpose of doing enough repetitions to hit that fast twitch white muscle fiber is as you get to failure, you activated them. And because there's less of them, you only get one or two reps to hit those fibers because there's less of them, but they're very thick bundles. And so when they activate, you're going to have that thickness that comes with it. That's my understanding of it. And that's why I feel like um it's ideal for most people. And my clients also, they they get similar effects. So I feel confident that it works really well, uh, and again, of course, nutrition is going to be critical to that. But when you're doing this, I feel like it's it's been a, um, a you know really good thing. Now, one way to kind of compare this is what I'm talking about on this you know the density and the thickness is if you look at a marathon or endurance athlete, okay, triathlete, et cetera, They have some muscle, but they're not very; they're more scrawny looking. They're, you know, they're, they're lean, but they're scrawny. So there's not a lot of muscle to them. Now, if you compare that physique to a sprinter, there's a lot of muscle on a sprinter. Yes. Because yes. the work they do is designed to activate those powerful, fast-twitch, white muscle fibers. So that's kind of my point with my resistance training.
1: That, that makes a lot of sense. I just got done actually watching the Olympics, and I... Remember the physiques of the marathon long distance runners compared to the sprinters. You're right. They're bulked up and very muscular. Um, So that does make sense. Are there any other factors to consider when it comes to rep schemes?
0: Well, of course there is. And so if you're reading in the materials like, you know, with Vince Geronda. Uh, he was a pioneer as well, and he helped a lot of bodybuilders. And his understanding was you want to push as much muscle or not much, as much blood to the muscle as possible to expand the capillaries, okay, which is at the end of your you know, end of the muscles. You want to expand those and then also allow the fascia to stretch. And so we do that expansion like that, it, he felt like, and i I gotta agree that that's what helps the muscle to enlarge. And right. adapt to the stress that you're putting it under. So your focus is always to, uh, you know, use heavy weight, push a lot of blood to the muscle in a short period of time. So if you think of it, it's like a balloon. You put the air in it, it, it pushes out and then stays there. It expands and stays there. So that's really one of the other components to it when you're when you're doing it. So again, with reps, you're going to get a similar effect to that. All right. Now with that being said. There's also another factor that I, I feel is important, and then there's, you know, probably this debate on this, debate on this too, is um, you know, your heart's located in the chest area. So it is also another factor when it comes to how much blood you're going to be pushing to the muscles. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're talking upper body being six to 10 repetitions, and you're talking lower body being 12 to 20, the question is, well, why is that? Well, good, good question. All right. So what I looked at and talking to a lot of other, you know, really good athletes, is if your heart's located in the chest, you're gonna be able to push a lot of blood to your arms, your chest, your back pretty quickly because of how close the heart is there. That's the pump that's pushing everything, right? Hmm. So when I talk to guys that cause I was struggling with the leg development and it was hard for me. But when I talk to you know, the guys that do legs are like because your heart's located here and you got to push a lot of blood because the legs are the largest muscle of the body, you got to push a lot of blood there. So even though you're using maximum weight, it requires, or to me, it requires more repetitions to keep that time under tension longer to engorge that muscle with as much blood as
1: possible. So, <laughs> kind of oh, a long no, explanation. No, it's a lot of great information. Um, I'm kind of curious about the amount of weight you're using for these rep schemes. Okay, so that's you know, that's a good question too. But uh, you know,
0: based on my personal experience with my clients, mm-hmm. I mean, I like to use maximum weight because. Obviously, if you're using heavy resistance, the body's, you know, it's gonna break down more muscle tissue. And because it's doing that with that heavy weight, it's gotta respond and get bigger to help accommodate that resistance. So when you use maximum weight and you're using the tempo, different tempos to go with that, you're really pushing yourself and so that's what you're gonna stimulate all the all the muscle, muscle fibers you need and then break it down really well. So another way to look at this is it's intensity and intensity is ultimately what helps to build muscle because it allows you to break down more muscle because you're really pushing yourself. And it's the same thing. If you look at a sprinter, they are all out, they are not mm-hmm. messing around. It's, it's go time. So to me, that's how I approach it is it's all out, it's go time. And that's why you don't want to go too long you, know, you can't sprint a marathon. Right? right? So you don't right. wanna to go too long with your training. You wanna keep it short and tense, but break it down enough so that you'll, you'll stimulate
1: enough so you get the response you're looking for. Okay, so just just if we could, Armin, can you kind of recap all the rep ranges just so that we can be clear? Yeah, so again, for upper body, I like to really go six to 10.
0: Mm-hmm. Back, I like to do eight to 12 again because of all the muscles involved. There's a lot of muscles at the back. And then again for legs is 12 to the 20. Doesn't have to be perfect. There are some days I only do eight reps, you know, on my legs just because I I hit the wall sooner than I thought I was gonna do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's the thing you want to keep in mind there. But you wanna make sure when you're doing these rep schemes, okay, six to ten as an example, have enough maximum weight to get six or more reps. So when I say six to 10, here's what that means. Once I start getting six reps consistently with a particular weight, let's just use bicep curls. Let's say I'm doing 30 pound, you know, regular bicep curls, you know, straight up and down. I'm starting to get eight and nine reps consistently with my sets. Then once I start getting 10 or more, that's when I'm going to decide, okay, I'm gonna add weight, but I can't add too much weight. I I just wanna add enough weight so I can get at least six or more reps to fit that scheme. So again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you wanna have your minimum because I know if I get six or more reps, my time under tension is gonna be 30 to 50 seconds, which is what Mm -hmm. they suggest. You know, there's a lot of science that suggests that's your minimum to stimulate muscle fiber.
1: Okay, all right. So. Wow, you covered a lot of stuff, but what else do you have there that would be important uh, in regards to this total topic? All right. So the other thing you have to do is if you're doing these rep schemes and the
0: tempo and and you got to, you know, you have to manage it. So mm-hmm. that means you really got to get on the offensive and track what you're doing so you can see, okay, am I making progress? Because there, you know, other things will get in the way of your rep scheme, like you know, not enough food, stress, and you know, overtraining, things like that. Right. But if you're doing these things correctly, you'll see that improvement ongoing, and there'll be a point where you kind of level out. But then that's when you change up exercises and do other strategies. So for me, I track it. So if it's dumbbell curls, and I'm doing that dumbbell curl, I may mean, not do that dumbbell curl every single time, but the next time I do do that curl, let's say I got seven reps with 30 pounds, mm-hmm. my focus, my goal is to try to get seven minimum or maybe one or two more reps. So that's going to stimulate more muscle fiber. It's going to force me to, you know, get the body to have to adapt to that extra stimulus. So that's that's what that's why you want to track it. So you see how you're doing. All right. Then as you're measuring that progress, it's going to give you the feedback to determine, hey, this is working or this is not working. So what am I doing wrong? What what should I look at uh, to really help you to not waste a lot of time and and energy and effort? Um, And once again, this doesn't have to be perfect. It's a really good guideline so that you're getting the feedback you need so that you know you're moving in the right direction. And this has worked for me personally. I've done it. You know, that's what I do consistently. And also for my clients, because in my app, there's, there's a place to Put the tempo, there's a place to put the weight you're using, there's a place to put the reps, then there's a look back feature to see what you did the last time you did that that routine. So if you're doing that same routine and that's what your target is.
1: I like that. Uh, that's because I, I always do that. I always wonder what did I do last time? Uh, so being able to look back is a, a really great feature. Um, what kind of resources are available to the folks out there to help with their process?
0: Well, I would I would recommend the NSP YouTube channel is one of them. Uh, Vince's online gym. Uh, they have some free resources there. Um, or just you get you a knowledgeable, well educated trainer coach to help you with get your foundation and your 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 structure put in place, and then work on that, build on that, and make it better. You know, when you put a house together, you got the base foundation and you put the walls up, but then you start adding all these other things as it's developing. And then you make it as good as you want to make it. And it's the same thing with your body. You're going to get the foundation, you get the nutrition, you get the body shaping up and it gets leaner and tighter. Then it's just a matter of, okay, where am I going to take this? What level do I want to take it at? And you go for it.
1: A lot of great information, Armin, as usual. Uh, Appreciate all of the expertise and information in this segment. Uh, Fantastic job, as usual, man. Thanks. So Armin and I, we're going to take a break. We're going to be heading out to commercial. Uh, We'll be talking to you here soon, and we'll be right back.
0: NSP Nutrition was founded by Vince Gironda during Bodybuilding's Golden Era. Vince wanted to supply his members with unique and nationally sourced supplements that would help accelerate their progress. NSP Nutrition stocks some of the same products it did when it first began in 1972. And you can discover our entire range of supplements and products at NSPNutrition.com. Just use the code NSPSHOW at the checkout and save 10% on your first order. All right. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the NSP
1: nutrition podcast. I'm Armin Eckelberger, and I'm Frank Mills and it is time for our nutrition segment. Um, this is a weekly thing that we like to do and Armin came up with a really great topic. Uh, why Armin thinks counting calories is a huge mistake. So Armin let's get it started. Uh You know, there's a lot of calorie counters out there. We already know that, but yeah, yeah, I I gotta agree. It's like, (laughs) we see it everywhere. We hear it everywhere. um, And there, there are people will ask, and even on menus now, it shows the calories of what each meal is. Right. So let me just ask you this is a calorie really a calorie. Yeah, it's 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 really annoying to me to put it that way. So I
0: have a certain opinion about it because Mm -hmm. of the reality of me doing these kind of things and learning about it. The food industry, man, they're they're doing a good job of selling this. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it is true that a calorie has you know calories have the same amount of energy. That's what it's based on. So one dietary calorie contains, I guess, four thousand one hundred eighty four joules of energy Whoa, so okay. based on that science there a calorie calories a calorie in that perfect world okay but <laughs> when it comes to your body you know it's not that simple you know the human body is highly it's a highly complex biochemical system and you have elaborate processes which are going to help regulate your energy balance. And mm-hmm. so it's not like you just, it's like putting gasoline and wood. They're going to burn differently, right? So right. that's one of the key points, okay? So different foods have different biochemical pathways, so to speak. Uh, and some are, are very efficient, inefficient. And then some of them are more more effective. Um, mm-hmm. But you're measuring them as a source of heat that the, you know, lost heat, okay, that the body's burning okay. up. So even more important is the fact that different foods and macronutrients, they have a major effect on the hormones, which people don't talk about, and the brain centers that control hunger and eating behavior, because you have hormones that are involved with that. People don't really know that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the foods you eat can have a huge uh, impact on on your biological processes uh, that control when what and then how much you should be eating uh from the science family uh that's how that that's how that works
1: wow uh that was pretty scientific there you got really scientific in a couple parts so was really good though uh can you give us some examples of maybe what you're talking about all right so a couple of, uh, i think simple examples would be comparing fructose to
0: glucose Okay. Okay, a sugar is made up of 50% fructose and 50% glucose, or a standard sugar, grain of sugar, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about high fructose corn syrup. It's a little different uh, formula for that. But with that being said, you know, the remaining simple sugars, okay, so that's an understood. But gram for gram, they 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 will provide the same amount of calories gram for gram. But the way that they're metabolizing the body is where the you know things start getting more complex. Like glucose can be metabolized, and glucose is easy for the body to absorb. It absorbs the body tissues and things like that. But fructose can only be metabolized by the liver and in any significant amount. So when you have a lot of fructose in your diet, it's gotta go through the liver to get processed. So, when you're comparing how they're going to burn, uh, mm-hmm. as a few examples, um, they don't burn the same because of this reason. Ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone. So, when you think of ghrelin, you think of somebody cooking something on the grill. It smells really yeah. good. Say, like, oh, all right, man, we eat on the grill. Okay. Well, with uh, it, it goes up when you're hungry and then down after you've you know, eaten, you're satiated. So... Some of the studies they found fructose is it elevates your ground levels. So that's going to elevate you to want to eat more. So that's that's a factor. Okay, Um, then glucose doesn't have that effect. Then fructose also does not help the satiety hormone, which is basically uh, leptin. So it doesn't affect the leptin as well to say, hey, I'm full, I don't need any more, all right? So that's your your body telling you that you're feeling full. So when it doesn't do that, that's a negative, because again, you're eating more, you're not mm-hmm. feeling you're full. So if you consume, and you continue to consume a lot of fructose, which is in a lot of processed food, it's so highly in processed food, then that's what can cause insulin resistance, abdominal fat gain, because these carbs convert to fat very easily. Mm -hmm. It jacks up your triglycerides, which that's not good. You know, high triglycerides will cause heart problems, you know, heart attacks, and strokes, things like that. Um, Your blood sugar obviously is up. And then that's the funny thing, too, is they blame fat for cholesterol. But these, uh, this fructose stuff actually jacks up your LDL as well. So, the bad cholesterol, and again, there's a debate on how bad it is, but there's, there's bad cholesterol of LDL, low density lipoprotein, and then triglycerides. These are problems that they get out of control, especially the triglycerides more than anything. So, that's a problem that you get with fructose that you're not going to get with glucose. So, as you can see, um, there's a big difference because of how they affect hunger, how they affect your hormones and then your overall metabolic processes and how they're going to break down. So that's mm-hmm. why it's, it's, you just can't say a calorie is a cow. We're just going to measure this, et cetera.
1: Well, the one thing you've always said on our show is, um, you know, a thousand calories of steak and a thousand calories of a bag of chips. It's two different animals. So I get that. But uh, there's another statement that's around of uh, 3,500 calories equals a pound of fat. What do you think about that? Yeah, again, um, I remember I remember using that
0: and telling people you know, that when you read about it, it came from all the different training manuals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that's in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't address all the components. So even though it may equate to that in science, scientifically based on the jewels and all the, the breakdown, just because you dropped your calories by 3,500 doesn't mean you're losing 100% body fat. So that's where the, the rub really is. And if, if you think you are, I got news for you. I've been through this. It does not work that way. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. So don't don't kid yourself with what the food companies are telling you and tell some of these other experts, it's all calorie-based. Because they haven't done... They haven't done their homework and I'm just being kind of opinionated here. But uh, to me, they haven't done their homework because I've done it a lot of different ways and it doesn't work that way.
1: Okay. So for those that are actually watching this podcast and do not count their calories, but they want to track their calories or they don't want to track their calories, you know, for losing body fat. um, How do they do it if they're not going to be a calorie counter? Well, you can, let's, let's put it this way, Frank. You can track your calories,
0: okay, to see if you're in a calorie deficit, because you do need to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat, okay? You got to burn more energy you're taking it. You know, that's a law of science. I get that. So, not a problem. I agree with that. But to me, they, nobody's talking about insulin and how that dramatically affects how you're going to burn that energy, because mm-hmm. like, insulin, and I we'll talk more about that, but it it's a fat storage hormone. So if you have a lot of that floating around, that's a problem.
1: Well, maybe you could dive into it just a little deeper. Um, actually, why is it important to understand this part about insulin? All right. Well, that's a good point. All right. So to me,
0: if you're having carbohydrates throughout the day, I mean, this is how it works. If you have carbohydrates throughout the day, you need insulin to process the carbohydrates, okay? Because there's going to be fructose in the sugar, okay? And that's Mm going to be needed, and you have some glucose. So the insulin comes up to process the carbohydrates and the sugars. So when that happens, it's going to shut off the fat burning process, because okay. the body wants to use the quick energy of sugars and carbohydrates, which okay, then there's plenty of science that validates that. And then people say, "Well, you need it for your brain health. You got to have carbs for your brain, right?" Not yeah. not necessarily. So, when you're having insulin elevated, then you shut off the fat burning process. So, let me give you another another way to look at this. When you go to bed, you're going to go to sleep, and then that's when hormones kick in. And those hormones need fats to rebuild cells. And so that's what they're going to do once your insulin level drops down, which is going to happen during the night, hopefully quicker than, than, than later. Right. So once it drops down, the hormones are working. So the hormones are built using cholesterol to rebuild cells. That's going to burn fat. That process will continue throughout the night. When you wake up, it's still going on. Okay, cool. I'm burning fat. Now, once you have the typical American breakfast, whether it's cereal, whether it's uh, oats or you know whatever you're into carbohydrate wise, once you eat that, you just shut that off. So mm-hmm. now all you're going to burn is carbohydrates throughout the whole entire day. So if you keep consuming fat with carbohydrates, yeah, you're going to have a problem because you're going to be storing it, especially if you eat too much, which people do. People eat way too much food. Whether right. they like to know it or not, they eat way too much food, which also ages you faster, but that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. So when your insulin is elevated like this, then it also causes you to need more energy to ask for more carbohydrates and sugars to keep your energy level up. And this is very common. So that's why people are constantly snacking. And these people that say eat six meals a day and all this stuff, I did all that. And that, that is, oh, you're going to burn more energy doing it that way. That is BS. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll probably get a lot of controversy on this, <laughs> but you don't need six meals a day right. to get where you need to be with your muscle gains and things like that. There are other things you can do to help with muscle gains. Mm-hmm. You don't need six meals a day. And for me, I eat three meals a day, and then maybe I'll have a protein drink uh, as an additional somewhat meal. But that's okay. all. And that's also more realistic for people. I mean, doing six meals a day—it's just an absolute headache and pain. So, just uh, getting a little tracker. But that's the thing. So, when you're eating less carbohydrates or very few carbohydrates throughout the day, now you're burning fat, so your insulin stays down. Now you're going to be able to stay leaner and you're going to eat. You typically you have more sustainable energy. You're not going to be so inclined to want a snack and things like that. So that's why I get frustrated when people don't talk about how the science really works on how your body uses energy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hmm.
1: So that, that being said, what do you feel is important to track? All right. So from a muscle building
0: and just a good stability uh, level for long term, you know, sustainability, mm-hmm. I just focus on making sure I get protein. And one thing about protein, there's different debates on this, by the way, but the protein, you don't absorb 100 percent of it. It was highly absorbable protein. Mm-hmm. You're going to absorb, you know, 50 to 60 percent, give or take. And depending on. You know your, your how your body's using energy, uh, how it absorbs it. But when you have protein, you're going to absorb fifty to sixty percent. So the rest of that is going to convert to glucose, anyways. So I like to focus on thirty to fifty grams of protein per meal, so that I'm making sure I'm getting enough amino acids to help the repair process for the muscles to adapt to the stress that they've been put under and rebuild. And then I manage the carbohydrates because that's what causes insulin. And elevated insulin is going to cause inflammation. It's going to cause you, you want to snack more. It's going to cause you a lot of problems. So I keep my carbohydrates very low throughout the day. So I'm burning fat. And so I'm focused on protein and fats more so as far as what my what my intake is. But I'm also, I'm just keeping an eye on the carbs to make sure I don't have very many. So that's pretty easy to follow. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about it is most of your proteins, they, they contain fat. You know, Mother Nature made them that way because they digest ideally together. Because they're very acidic in nature, carbohydrates mm-hmm. are not. They're alkaline in nature, so that's what causes all this bloating and this gas and the stretching of the stomach wall when you keep consuming these foods like this. You know, three, four times a day, even six—you know, these six meals a day kind of thing. <laughs> it, it, it's it's ridiculous as far as I'm concerned and not necessary. So I know I'm sure there will be some people have some arguments for, but I don't have I don't any of my clients doing that and I'm not doing
1: it. Right, right. Well, you know, there's a lot of diets out there, low carb, low fat diets. Uh how do you feel about that? All right. So when it
0: comes to you know, when it comes on approaching your nutrition, if you're trying to get lean, then you're gonna be better off to use a low-carb uh, strategy, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you need to have the strategy It work works for you. But my favorite is carb cycling. Now, if you're already lean and you're an athlete and you have a higher energy demands, then you may need carbohydrates. So what I'm mm-hmm. speaking from here is the fact that you're trying to get lean and put muscle on at the same time now if, you, again, if you're already lean then you can have carbohydrates a little more often because your body's going to be using up every everything that you're eating so that's where an exception would be all right but just just so you know when it comes to comparing the nutrition they they've done multiple studies like since 2002 they've done i think over 20 randomized controlled studies uh, trials and they compared to the low carb to, the, to a low-fat diet. So when you do a low-fat diet, you have carbohydrates as your main energy system versus fat, okay? Okay. And the results have consistently shown that the low-carb diet led to more, and they use weight loss here, okay? led to more weight loss than the low-fat diets, and it's down two to three times as much. So there's not a lot of debate here. Now, one of the main reasons for this is because the low-carb diets Automatically reduces your calorie calorie intake, your and your appetite. So now, why is that? Okay, well, proteins four kilo four kilo kilocalories per gram. Fats are nine. Oh my God, nine kilocalories. But you get full so much quicker, and they give you sustained energy. You're actually eating less. So that's that's then it's hard for people to kind of comprehend that because carbohydrates are only four kilocalories. The problem mm-hmm. is people eat a lot of carbohydrates that fill them up. They don't fill you up like protein and fats, which fill you up quickly. So that's why that happened. And then on top of that, they also had lower insulin levels because they're not eating a lot of carbohydrates, which you have spilled over and are going to be stored as fat. So that, that's uh, and then plus fats burn for four to six hours, so you're not going to need to snack and things like that.
1: Gotcha. Okay. A lot of great information. Anything additional that you'd like to add to this?
0: All right. Well, just to kind of close, I mean, do not, in my opinion, do not base your fat loss goals on just counting calories. I see it all the time in different uh, Facebook groups I'm in, you know, telling you watch your macros and watch your calories and this kind of stuff. I just think that you're going to, you're not going to realize you're going to lose muscle which is what happens. And people will argue that, I suppose. But I've yeah, done it. Right. And it, it does, you do lose muscle. And also, when you're eating, like, if you're restricting the calories to meet this calorie goal, because your insulin's elevated, then you get this hangry, when you're hungry and angry because you're not mm-hmm. getting food when you need it, because you need to have food probably every three or four hours because insulin's screaming at you to get more to keep your energy up. And so that's going to elevate your ghrelin, elevate the insulin levels. That's not a positive with what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Now the other thing on top of that, so to clue when you, when you focus on your protein intake, it takes longer to digest, fills you up quicker and already has fat built into it. And on top of that, it requires more energy to digest and break it down. So that's a, that's a great win there. And then Mm -hmm. make it simple, focus on watching your carbs, and then the protein for simplicity and then calories. Okay. So the calorie would be the last thing you just see, kind of see where you're at. Are you in a negative, are you in a calorie deficit? Uh, and if you do it that way, I think you're going to see much better results and it's not going to be so hard on you uh, mentally and physically.
1: Well, there's a lot of stuff out there online, uh, up for sale, all different places on nutritional resources. Uh, what are some good ones that you can recommend? Well, since it's NSP nutrition, I, you know, I'm definitely going to recommend the, the Maximum
0: Definition Diet, which I've done that. It's a very effective nutrition program. Uh, the Wild Physique has like three or four different nutrition programs, so you can change things up, which I think is a good thing to do. And then you have the Pro Series of Nutritional Bodybuilding, which you can get these on from NSP. Uh, they're great to, great pieces of material to read and learn fundamentally, which this figured us out actually in the 1950s what really works and um it it was done it is but people threw him under the bus and use these other methods the other methods don't get me wrong the other methods could that they do work but to me because i've done them they're very difficult and they're they're very hard on you and you tend to lose Mm -hmm. muscle so i don't want i don't want to if i can prevent from losing harder and muscle that's where i want to stay
1: I agree with you and Armin, another great segment, Uh, some fantastic information as usual. Thank you. But uh, one thing I just want to remind everybody that NSP Nutrition, they've been actually building better bodies since 1972, and they've got a great program. If you're interested, if you go to the NSPNutrition.com page and scroll down to the bottom, you can take their 21 day challenge. Uh, you okay. burn fat Build muscle Get in the best shape Of your life And guess What It is free So mm-hmm. Go and check it out And Armin We We're on this show For NSP Nutrition The biggest reason Is because we believe In their products And supplements That we take um, How do you feel About the NSP Nutrition Supplements and products Well I mean They're They work And yeah, I've tried a lot Of supplement companies
0: um, And when I finally located these and was using them, cause you know, I'm always seeing who's got better products. Uh, I was really uh, happily surprised how well they worked, how, how they tasted. And then I did some research on how they made their products. When you start comparing notes on that, uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a game changer for me and it helped yep. me a lot. so I, I recommend for all my clients, you know, the clients I work with, you know, make sure it's part of their, their solution uh, to help them. Cause it does help.
1: Well, another fantastic show, Armin. Thanks so much. And uh, that's it for today's show. But, man, I look forward to doing this next week. How about you? Oh, yeah, that's great. I uh, hope you guys got some take, everybody got some takeaways
0: from it. Uh, but, you know, make some comments. Let us know what other topics you'd like to learn more about because that's what we'd like to do is make sure we're covering things that are important to you. Uh, right now, we're just covering basics that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have asked me questions about and some of my clients.
1: Well, everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the NSP Nutrition Podcast. Look forward to seeing you all next week with a brand new show. Armin, thanks again for what you do. Uh, Another fantastic job, man. Thanks. All right. Appreciate it, Frank. All right. We'll see everybody next week with another NSP Nutrition Podcast.